This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Now, this morning, lock yourself in. Because this is going to be, we're going to conclude this series this morning on the safety in godly knowledge. We're going to conclude this. We've been teaching on this series of messages and and in these teachings it is designed to show us the importance, the power, and the purpose of the knowledge of the Word of God. It It has been designed. This is our, I think, our sixth teaching. And we're going to conclude this because we're getting ready to make a turn in the new year. So we're going to conclude here in this series. And it was designed to show you the importance, the power, and the purpose of knowledge of the Word of God. When we get knowledge and we understand it and apply it and, and use it in a beneficial manner. It has to be in a beneficial manner. And once it be, it's in a beneficial manner, it then becomes wisdom for us. Wisdom, the wisdom of God. So being that, we need to understand that it is essential that we get the godly knowledge. And it is deposited on the inside of us. It is essential. We must get the godly knowledge. And God is going to deposit it on the inside of us. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. Let's go there. I want, I want you to read it since we're closing this out. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Go there right quick. Verse 7. It says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I'm going to read it again because this is going to be this is going to be very important to what we're teaching this morning. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, it says that we have this treasure. This morning we're going to find out what that treasure is. The treasure one of one we, we need to understand it's the light of the knowledge of God and it's in this earthen vessel. It's in this frail human vessel. I'm just so amazed and so just just I mean God just never ceased to amaze me how He would put a treasure in this frail vessel. In this just frail human vessel. And I like when it says, and the excellency of this treasure will be of God and not of us. And this is where this godly knowledge is contained. And the godly knowledge is sufficient for us. We have been talking about different kinds of godly knowledge. First of all, we said that there is safety. In godly knowledge. And that's what this whole series is about. There's safety in godly knowledge. Let me tell you, every church, if there's not safety, if there's not godly knowledge, there's safety in godly knowledge. And the only safe place on the face of the earth is to know what God thinks about us in any situation. 
That's a safe place. When any situation or circumstance that I'm in, I want to know what God has to say about that situation or that circumstance. I want to be where God wants me to be at any and every time. There is safety in godly knowledge. If you don't know where God is taking you, where He wants you, how He's doing it, you're not safe. You're just out there. But you, there's safety when you know where God is taking you. When you know, that's why you must be under covering. That's why you must be in a ministry. That's why you must be following and going and, and being up under covering so that you can be taught how to understand and, and grab a hold of this godly knowledge and be able to walk in it so that it can produce wisdom in your life. Amen? And so, the, the only safe place on the face of the earth is to know what God thinks about a situation. Then we also said that there is strength in godly knowledge. Strength for our bodies, strength for our minds, strength, strength for our inner man. The whole you God said there's strength in godly knowledge. That means godly knowledge has something to say in every area of your life. There is strength in godly knowledge. We also discovered that there is security in godly knowledge. In that God has secured us with some immutable things. With some immutable things. I hope you all have been using immutable all week. To just, just to bring it home to what, what, what God is saying. First of all, with an immutable promise, a promise from an omnipotent God that He cannot change. He secured us with an immutable oath, an oath from God that He cannot lie. Oh, I mean, just don't even take that lightly. So we have this promise from a God that cannot change, and we have an oath from God that cannot lie. They, these are immutable and cannot change. They're unchangeable. So it doesn't matter. And we found out last week, it's because of a lack of knowledge that you don't understand your benefit covenant rights. But they are there, and He cannot lie, and He cannot change. Once He says it, it is there. It's done. It's forever. Are you following me? Think of um, that, a promise. A promise from God. See, if you think of it like a promise from you, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. I mean, because you think about all the promises you've made and broken. But this is immutable. And this is from a God that cannot lie. This is from a God that cannot change. This is from a God that He's not jesting with us, going back and forward. And I, and I love that He cannot change. Once the Word comes forth out of His mouth, that's it. It will not return unto Him void, it says. It says that the Word tells us it will not. Once it goes out of His mouth, it will not return void or empty or without purpose from where which it was sent. That's why I tell people all the time, let me tell you, if you think by any stretch of the imagination you can do any and everything and you're going to just slide by, you're never going to make God's word a lie. 
You'll deal with every aspect of your life. But let me tell you, you you can't just do things that are outside of the kingdom of God, repent and think everything's going to be lovely. Well, let me tell you, you can repent and God will receive it, but you set some things in motion. Just know that. So you won't see, so you won't blame God when things happen. And of course, the the enemy is going to make it long enough where you're going to forget that you once done that. And you're going to act like it was God. Oh, how did this happen? This came. But 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 God is going to put someone like me up here to remind you what you did years ago. And it just just came up. But but you're not going to get around it. Are you fine? You know, I was reading something that, no, I'm not going to even go there. We'll talk about that maybe, maybe in the new year because, you know, I read a lot of things and I'm, uh, and I put them all in my notes. I write them down and I put them in my notes and I go back and be like, oh, I just need to just say that now. And God said, not now, just, 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 just relax. Y'all got to learn to relax. Amen. And this is the thing about God being uh, immutable, then a God that cannot lie. God has placed his word above his holy name. He and his name are one. Therefore, God has placed the word above himself, and he will stay under the authority of his word. He will not come out. He put himself up under there, and he won't come out. God can do anything. He can come out. He won't do. Yeah, but he won't. He won't. So there's safety in knowledge, strength in knowledge, security in knowledge, and we left off on the fact that there's sufficiency in knowledge. Now, the thing that we left off on last week, we gave some definitions of sufficient, what sufficient means. And let's go over those definitions in, in, before we move on into the new information. Um, if you will, go over to Proverbs chapter 3 and just rest there. Just, just rest there. But we're going to go over those uh, uh, the definition before we go to Proverbs chapter 3. I want to make a point out some things in, in, in Proverbs chapter 3 of the sufficiency of knowledge. But number one, sufficient means to be content due to having enough. You all remember that? I am content because I have enough. In order to be content because I have enough, we have to understand this. We must establish what we have been taught, and that is a godly point of satisfaction. You got to find out where is your godly point of satisfaction. And let me explain that to you a little bit more because I don't think some of you got it. What I was saying about godly point of satisfaction, let, let, let's get a little more in depth in understanding this. A godly point of satisfaction means that I have determined, listen, that a certain portion of my resources are going to be used outside of myself. See, because, you, see, I got to get to a godly point of satisfaction. Because, see, if everything that you have is all about you, you're going you're to be in trouble. When I'm come bringing myself to a godly point of satisfaction, I need to know where that point is. The first thing I need to think of, I have to determine that a portion of my resources are going to be used outside of myself. I'm going to make sure that I reach out and be a blessing to others. 
Are you going to just swallow it up on yourself? Everything's about you. Sufficient means that you and I are able to do that. Amen? Sufficient means we're able to do that. We're sufficient enough to do that. To see, uh, this is, I'm, I'm coming to a place, this is where my godless satisfaction is. I know that a portion of me, my resources, whatever your resources may be, well, it, it has to go outside of me. Secondly, it means to be able to meet the need. Again, not my need, but the need. The need may extend beyond your personal need, more than likely. But to, sufficient means that I am and can and I'm able to meet the need. I am and I can and I'm able to meet the need. Are you with me? Now you, you, you have to understand that. Sufficient also means to have an abundance. Abundant is also an overflow. It goes beyond what you need. Sufficient means an abundance. It has to go beyond just what you need. Remember I said that David said, My cup runneth over. I believe David drank from the saucer because his cup was full. But he was able to do much for the whole nation of Israel. For the people around him. And I've learned a lot of things about David and Solomon. Learning more and more. And I like what Jesus said. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So, it, so he came that we not only just have life, but have it more abundantly. That's called a sufficient life. Did you hear me? That's what he wants us to have, a sufficient life, an abundant life. Amen? Then sufficient, it means to have enough and to spare. To have enough and to spare. I gave you an example last week, like driving across the country. Nobody would drive and feel sufficient with just four tires without a spare. And especially if you have to drive through some desert parts. You are you have to drive a long road, and the gas station is not for another uh, forty miles, and something happened, and you just have four. Now the four tires may get you to your destination. It might, but to be sufficient, you need a spare. So if anything happens, I got a spare. You feel sufficient, You're like well, I know if we have a flat. I have sufficient, but you'd be like, oh my God, I, I hope we don't have a flat out here because we don't have a spare. That's not sufficient. Again, sufficient means to have enough and some to spare. So that, that, now, that, now let's bring that back to your finances. Don't spend everything you have trying to be something you're not. And especially in this time of year. Don't just try to spend all your money that you have and then come and look and say, well, just, you know, you know see, can you borrow 20 and see, can you borrow 100? But you spent all, you have nothing to spare? You should always have a spare. That's called sufficiency. Being sufficient. Amen? Now, now, 
God has told us what we need to do for is our finances. He's told us that we need to save. He told us we need to get out of debt. See, He's trying to make us sufficient. But we want to do our own thing. And we're still trying to just enjoy ourselves. Some of you are so out of season just trying to enjoy yourself. And God said, this is not your season to enjoy. This is your season for something else. But if you're not hearing and you're not growing and you're not understanding knowledge, that's hard for you to get. You just want to enjoy. There's a time. (laughs) Go over to Ecclesiastes. And a season for everything. And everybody's not in the same season. I don't know how many times I have to tell you that. Everybody's not. Don't try to do what someone else is doing. (laughs) You get yourself in trouble. Amen. Now, and this is what I, I, I know and I understand. And I'm understanding better with this teaching and studying it. We don't really understand what sufficiency means. We really don't. We, we don't, well, we really don't understand what sufficiency is. Let me put it that way. Believers don't really understand or know what sufficiency is, but God does. See, God knows what sufficient is. We don't. What we know is what we want. We know what we think we need, but we don't know what is sufficient. And you know why you don't know what's sufficient? Because you didn't chart the course of this journey. See, God charted this course of the journey that you're on. He knows what is sufficient for your course. And so we just know what we want or what we think we need. And God has said, no, but you don't know what is sufficient for you. You didn't chart the course of this journey. See, we may see with our little finite minds, we may think that the position that we are in, that it is a a sufficient position. And, And people can really get it twisted as believers because of their job title. Or their job. They are, well, I'm in a sufficient position. But God may not think that it's sufficient. So we have to let God be God on this journey. Because God said, I don't see like men see. I don't see like men see. I mean, we just look at, oh, surely that was God. Oh, surely I'm where I need to be. Surely this is a... God said, no, I don't see like men see. Sufficient also means to suffer no lack, either present lack or projected lack. Sufficient means to suffer no lack, either present lack or projected lack. Not to suffer it. See, we don't know what tomorrow brings. So if we're going to suffer no lack It takes God to know our projected needs. Because we don't know about tomorrow. See, we might spend some days and be like, Oh God, I didn't know this was going to happen. If I knew this uh, last week, I wouldn't have spent this because... But see, God knows our projected needs. God knows that you're going to have to get four new tires next week. And you're like, I'm going to ride these babies out there just fine.
God is always working out our tomorrows and trying to get show us our projected needs. And we will just go right over it. He's showing us our projected need, what you need for tomorrow, what's coming down the pipe, what's going on. And we just go right ahead. Oh, well, we can go on and do it. We can, we can go in God. And, and you know, and see, you don't understand that's God. That's the Holy Spirit. He's putting that rumbling on the inside to say, no, 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 not right now. Husband, you have to be strong enough to know when to say no. I promise you, your wife will be okay. Yeah, I promise you, she will be okay. She might storm around the house and not talk for the for for a few days or get mad, but let me tell you, she'll appreciate it in the end. But instead of giving in because you don't want her to be mad, I'm like, what, what, what's that? You have to look over at it and say, now you broke. Now you broke. You better start getting glad real quick. Well, I work too. It doesn't matter. You broke. Listen, you have to, because if God is giving you, uh, the Holy Spirit is telling you in your spirit, this is not it right now. And, and you know what? This is what's so lovely about God. He'll just tell you that it's not it for right now, but you act like He said you can't have it at all. God, you just won't wait. Impatient. Now, if He tells you you don't need it at all, you ought to be okay with that. But if He said, no, not right now, there's nothing wrong with you having it, but this is not good. Why? Because I know your projected need. I know what's coming next week. You don't. I know what's coming in two months. You don't. You need to put that away. Oh, if we could only get a, ooh, a handle on that. Now, in Proverbs chapter 3. Are you in Proverbs chapter 3? Let's begin at verse 1. It says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Now, once he gives us a commandment, he tells us to do something. Then he turns around and tells us to promise. He's going to tell us what we need to do, and then right after that, he's going to give us the promise. That's usually the way it works. That's the way you'll see it in the Bible. He's going to tell you what he wants you to do, and then he's going to tell you the promise behind it. Let's read it. Because it's always a promise attached to it. He said, my son, I'm going to just put if. I mean, I'm going to, wait, let me just read that. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. It wouldn't change this for me to say, my son, if you do not forget my laws, and you let them, and let the, thine heart keep my commandment. If you put it down in your heart and keep my commandment, here's your promise. Verse 2. For length of days, and long life, and peace shall they add to thee. Now, this is if you forget not my law and keep my commandments. Remember from last week, it's a will. You got to do verse 1 to get verse 2. Then verse 3. Let not mercy 
and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the tables of thine heart. If you do that, what is the promise? Verse 4. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine hearts. And lean not into your own, thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. I like what he says here though. He said in verse 7, But be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Now, now from verse 4 to 7, that's what he was telling us to do. 8 and 9, that's the promise. See, you got to read it like that. Did you hear me? From 4 to 7 is what he's telling you to do. 8 and 9, I mean, what is it? No, um, 8 and 9, let's read 8 and 9, and 10 is the promise. It shall be, now, from 4 to 7, here's the promise. If you do 4 to 7, 8 is the promise. It shall be health to thy navel. And marrow to thy bone. Number nine. He's giving you instructions again. Honor thou the Lord with thy substance. And with the first fruits of thine increase. Where's the promise? Verse ten. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. And thy presses shall burst, forth, burst out with new wines. He gives you the instructions to do. And gives you the promise. He gives you the instructions to do. And the promise through that whole scripture. Go back and read it. He's telling you what to do always with, he always, he backs it up with a promise. And then that backs up. When you do those things, it backs up with the two immutable things. He cannot change and he will not lie. Those things will come to pass. I don't care who it didn't come to pass with that you knew. It's immutable. It's a backup from, from, from the promise of a God that cannot change. With an oath. A God that cannot lie. See, every time you read it, you need to tell yourself, this is immutable. This is unchangeable. He cannot lie. I believe this. I see your instructions. And you know, every time you read some instructions of a God, look for the promise. Because it's there. So now we've read that and we've seen the immutable promises of God. And these things that I've just read to you, they are backed up by the two immutable things. They're backed up by God. What did he say? He said, I couldn't find anybody else to swear by. I swore by myself that everything that comes out of my mouth, everything that's documented here, is unchangeable. And it's not a lie. Now go to Philippians chapter 4. Run over to Philippians chapter 4. I want to establish that before we move forward. Now we all can quote this one. Because we know it. It promises something. Are you in Philippians chapter 4? Beginning at verse 19. Oh, we love to quote this. But my God 
shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's what I want to lift out of this setting this morning as we start the new information. Let me, let me establish that. Because now we're going to find out what is this treasure in earthen vessels. I'll say it again. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Let's take it apart. God shall supply all your need. How's he going to do it? He said, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Well, where is the riches of God's glory? See, that's, that, that's the thought. Don't try to answer that because you're going to learn something today. I want you to concentrate. Because I, I don't want you to get confused because I'm going to say a lot of words, but I want you to get this down. I'm going to say it again. My God shall supply all of your needs. How is he going to do it? He said, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, where is the riches of God's glory? The riches of God's glory is deposited into each believer. Write it down. It's going to be very important. The riches of God's glory is deposited into every believer. That is the treasure that we have on the inside. In earthen vessels. So when you give your life to the Lord, Jesus Christ, we become God's riches in glory. Don't worry, I'm going to break it down for you. So when we look at this and we understand our Father, we understand this. God has no other way to supply our needs other than through His riches in glory. No other way He's going to supply our needs but through His riches in glory. And I just told you that He deposited His riches in glory in us. No other way. I'm God's riches in glory. You're God's riches in glory. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It's of God and not of us. But he deposited it in us. Now we're going to verify this in another place in the scripture. But just notice this. Listen, the only way that he's going to keep Philippians 19, the only way he's going to keep that promise is through us. When God saved us and filled us, we became the glory of God by Christ Jesus. We were saved by grace through faith in Jesus. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, when we have faith in Jesus, it allows the grace of God. It allows the grace of God. Everybody say grace. 
Everybody say grace again. The grace, it allows the grace of God to enter into us and then we become the riches of His glory. The only way that He's going to fulfill verse 19 is through His riches and glory. Now this connects up with Luke 6.38. You know what? Go over there. Go over there. Run over there to Luke 38. I mean 6. Verse 38. <clears throat> Let's see what it says. Because see, this, this lines up with that. Give, and it shall be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall who? Shall who give into your bosom? Men is going to give this into your bosom. Men are going to give this into your bosom. Listen. We are the ones that's going to give into the bosom. Men. Let's look at 38 again. Give and it shall be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Those men that will be given unto your bosom, those men are the riches of God's glory. We are the riches of God's glory. That's the only way it's going to be done. Through men. That's why he put it, this treasure in earthen vessels. Now keep in mind that we just read what we read in Proverbs. You should be writing these things down. Because they all came out of these two passages of scriptures. What we read in Proverbs and what we're reading now. Now, first of all, don't forget what we're talking about. We're talking about the sufficiency of godly knowledge. You know, you got to hold it. See, this is a teaching ministry. You got to hold on. You, you know how to hold on to more than one thing and make it work. Number one, this is what you need to understand. There is mental and emotional sufficiency in godly knowledge. Remember, we are the... Re- Listen, there are, there's mental and emotional sufficiency in godly knowledge. There is enough for us to be mentally sufficient in the knowledge of God. He said, my son, if you would keep my laws, these things I will add to you. Long life, peace to you. Mental and emotional sufficiency. He said, I'm going to just add this to you. When you keep my law, mm, there's also number two, sufficiency for others through me in godly knowledge. There's sufficiency for others through me in godly knowledge. God has put that in, in earthen vessels 
That is the glory of God on the inside, the riches of His glory. It's in us to do. God is not asking us to do anything that He hasn't prepared us for. See, we can't do all of this unless He has put His glory on the inside of us. His riches of His glory. He said, it's going to be done through men. God is not coming down here to do anything. And guess what? We don't need any riches and glory in heaven. We need riches and glory here. Not in heaven. God said, and since you need it here, I need to put that treasure in man so that they can give out to others this riches and glory. Then He went right over there and said, a good measure. When you give, here's the promise. A good measure. Press down, shaking together, and run over. That's the promise. But now you got to give. That's the, the, the instructions. I'm going to call those men that have the riches of His glory on the inside that I place. It be, uh, they're going to be able to provide it for you. Mm-hmm. You better get this. So when we become born again, this is one of the reasons why God wants us to network ourselves together. Because our sufficiency is of God, but it is, listen, our sufficiency is of God, but it's through man. There's a difference. Our sufficiency is of God, but through man. Hmm. Oh, get it. If I don't show it to the Bible, you don't have to believe it. Our sufficiency is of God, but not of us. But He put it in man. The sufficiency is of God through man. That's why God wants us as believers to be led by the Spirit. So that He can lead us and direct us in the way that He wants us to go. Not the way that we want to go. But He said, let me lead you in the way that I want you to go. And and let me tell you, most of the times, it is different from the way that you want to go. Unless you have your finger on the pulse of God, you don't know which way to go. Be led by the Spirit. And this is what I'm, I'm going to show you because, uh, uh, again, about the riches of, of the glory that God has placed on the inside. Now, to be led by the Spirit, God is going to always lead me to look out for you. And God's going to always lead you to look out for me. Whether you obey it or not is on you. But He's going to lead you that way. He's going to lead me that way. You're always to look out for them. And let me tell you, in your prayer time, God has said, you all need to look out for her. Or look out for the next one on. It's, it's in you. That's the riches of His glory. It's not coming any other kind of way. My sufficiency is of God. But it's through man. With that treasure you're carrying. Whenever God is going to do anything for you, He's going to do it by moving upon the heart of some man. Always. Why? Because the riches of his glory is on the inside of that man if he's a believer. 
And see, a lot of times we want to use all that riches and glories on ourselves, but it's not for that. God said, no, when I put an urgent on the inside, don't fight it, because that's the riches of glory. He's going to always do it through man. Nothing is going to drop out of the sky. God's not going to open the windows of heaven and pour you out a literal blessing. Because if he poured you out money from the sky, it would be counterfeit. It wouldn't be of this world. That's not what that means. But that's another teaching for another time. But you know what people think, you know, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to, and God's just going to make it come. No, that's not how it works. He said it's going to be through men. He said, I'm going to cause men to pour it into your bosom. And that's not just for ministers. That's for any. This is for believers. This truth is for believers. Are you, are you with me? Whenever God is going to do anything that he's doing, he's going to move upon the hearts of some man. And when I say man, I'm talking about the species, not the gender. Mankind. You know, when God made man, you got to understand this. He made, a, he made a man, male and female. He made man, male and female. I don't know why we have to make a, a big deal about this. He made man, male and female. See, when you read with lack of understanding, you can't even read that correctly. He made man, male and female. So if God is going to do something for you, He's going to do it through man. Your sufficiency is of God, but it's going to be done through a man that have the riches of glory, that that treasure in earthen vessels that He's placed there. That's why He said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And how is He going to give it to you? Men! Shall men give unto your bosom? Stop looking. God's not coming off the throne. And I like he said, trust the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not into your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And you'll find success in the eyes of God and man. Guess what? Why was man included there? Why didn't he say you just find success in God? He said, you're going to find success in God and man. He put man there because that is the way you're going to get it. Just, I mean, it's just, I mean, when you read it, it just makes it so simple. You're going to find success in God, which is the sufficiency is of God, and with man, because I'm going to do it through him. This treasures in earthen vessels. Our sufficiency of God, but the manifestation of our sufficiency will come through man. Uh, listen, our sufficiency is of God, but the manifestation of that sufficiency is going to come through man. So watch this. Sufficiency for others Listen, comes 
through me and the sufficiency comes to me from others. Did you hear that? You got to understand that. You got to understand that. I don't want to confuse you. I want to take it slow. I'll say it again. The sufficiency for others comes through me. And my sufficiency comes from others to me. It works that way. So my sufficiency is of God. So I'm sufficient because God is going to see that my sufficiency comes through man. You're not confused, are you? Because I can go back over it if you act like you're confused about it because it's simple. But see, when you haven't been taught it, your mind will take you somewhere else. But we're reading it. He's showing you. He just showed you. Give, and it shall be given unto you. He said, this treasure is in earth and vessel. He said, the riches of his glory. What is the riches of his glory? What, are you waiting for his riches of glory for when you get to heaven? What do you need it for in heaven? You need his riches of glory now. Here. All this simply means is that I need you and you need me. Period. Here you go. Period. That's all, it, that's all that means. I need you and you need me. Period. See, you need me even to get this knowledge. This knowledge that is of God, but given through men. It's not my knowledge. The God, the, the knowledge is His. But how's He gonna give it? Through a man. So see, what does she mean, I need you? See, now that's somebody carnal that, that just missed this whole teaching. Grow up. You need me to get this knowledge that is of God. But it's going to come through a man. I just happen to be a man with a womb. But I'm a man. See, there's safety, strength, security, and sufficiency in godly knowledge. See, we're speaking on godly knowledge. Grab this. But the only way that you can get the knowledge is through man. God set it up that way. You have a problem with it, talk to him. I can just read my Bible myself. No, ma'am. No, sir. You can read your Bible yourself. Everybody can. My granddaughter can read the Bible. She can read some of the stuff in the Bible. You can read it, but you won't understand it. It'll be like reading Greek to you. <laughs> because he's going to give it to a man. He set it up that way. I'm going to tell you why you can't, can't just read it. 
Because in the scripture, he set it up and he said, Now, how can they hear without a preacher? And how can he preach unless they sin? How can they preach unless they sin? How, when he's in here, you wouldn't change the scripture, you would say, if it said, how could they understand, how can they understand without a preacher? <laughs> and how can they preach if I don't send them? So the knowledge of God comes through man. So then faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen, we're cemented together. You're not going to get around it. That is why it's so critical that we be not selfish. That we be led by the Spirit. That we let God use us. you got to be ever so careful that it's not all about you. When you find yourself going down that aisle and you seem like everything is about you, stop and say, wait a minute, I'm making this whole thing all about me. I got I to gotta slow down. Wait a minute. This is critical to my growth and development. I'm being selfish. See, God promises that... His word and what he and his and, and his riches of glory is all going to be based upon the fact that people are filled with the Spirit and they're going to obey the word. See, that's the way this word becomes a reality. I'm talking about real time. I'm talking about it's actually happening. It is based on you being filled with the Spirit and obeying His Word. You have to obey the instructions in order for these things to come to pass. You know, we can pray and pray and pray for people and everything, but when you get this revelation, you have to say, you know what? These things were put in place. They don't, they're unchangeable. Listen, God doesn't change that because you're in pain. See, if you're sick and in pain, God's not going to change that. It's already it's set. These things that He has said that you need to do, they must be in place. It's a will. You can't have what's in the will if you don't follow the guidelines. If you don't follow what's put there for you to follow in order to receive it. Plain and simple. We're going to have to obey this word. My security also is in my decisions. My security is also in my decisions. Now watch this. How is that going to happen? How is he going to keep that promise to me (laughs) in my decisions? I just told you your security is in your decisions. How is he going to do that? Well, he said, if you lean not into your own understanding and trust in me in all your ways, acknowledge me, guess what? He said, I will help you make the right decision. What is the, how did, when did he say that? When he said, I'll direct your path. 
That means I'm going to help you make the right decision. Directing a path means I'm showing you the right way to go. I'm going to direct you on the right decision. So there's your answer right there. That's how he keeps that promise. My security is in my decision. i got to stop leaning into my own understanding. I have to make sure that I acknowledge him in all my weight. i got to acknowledge him. And he's going to help me in my decision-making process. He's going to direct my path. When directing a path is helping you make the right decisions at the right time. Even, and most of the time, most, not all the time, but most of the time, the decision that he wants you to make is different from yours. Especially if you haven't been following all of the guidelines. Because see, sometimes decisions just look good. I know that's what God's going to tell me to do. But you don't know that if you don't ask him. Again, God already knows your tomorrows. You don't. God knows your sufficiency. You don't. You just know what you want. What you desire. That's all you know. Again, you don't know because you haven't charted this journey. When God, before you was born, your journey was charted. So He knows all the sufficient thing you need on this journey. You don't know. So God, I need to acknowledge you in all my ways. I need to stop leaning into my own understanding. Even if it's a good understanding, I don't want to lean that way. I want to know what you have to say about it. If yours, if yours happened, if mine happened to line up with yours, good. Not if yours happened to line up with mine. If mine happened to line up with yours. That's sufficiency. That's what I'm talking about in your decision, in making your decisions. That's sufficiency. If I'm going to be sufficient in God, I have to make godly decisions. I have to allow Him to make my decisions. I let Him make my decisions when it comes to my finances, when it comes to my marriage, when it comes to just everything. God, I want to make sure that I'm on board, you on board with everything, because you know my tomorrows. I know, you know, we used to say, you know, some things you just got common sense about it, and some things you don't know. Let me tell you. Just be safe. Just ask him about everything. See, I mean, it won't take nothing for you just to ask about everything. God, I need to, you know what, I, I don't quite know. And, you know, it, it, this looks good to me, but what is it to you? Because you know my tomorrows. You know what's happening next month, two months, six months. You know what's happening in April. I don't. I'm going to be sufficient in God, I have to make godly decisions. I have to allow Him to make my decisions. Another one, my sufficiency is also in my physical health. My sufficiency is also in my physical health. I have sufficiency in my physical health through the knowledge of God. How many of you understand and know this? You cannot finish your course without a body. I'll say it again. You cannot finish your course without a body. How many of you believe that you need a body to finish your course? You need a body to finish the, uh, uh, your course. 
See, we are sufficient in all things. So godly knowledge, it keeps me sufficient in my body. Godly knowledge will keep me sufficient in my body. You need your body. See, if something happened to my body right now, you won't hear from me. Because I need my body. But if I, if something happened right now, if I fell out right now and I couldn't move, you can't hear from me. In order to finish my course, in order to do what God has called me to do, I need my body. Simplicity. And see, it, 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 it would not make sense for God to make provisions for our mind, for our spirit, and make no provisions for our body. And, you know, make the, you know, let the provisions of your health just, let, let preachers preach and say, it's passed away. Now that's just crazy. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. When people say healing has passed away. We may as well throw the Bible away. If healing has passed away. Why? Because you don't need... Listen, you don't need health in heaven. You need health down here. You don't need health in heaven. So why would God let it be passed away? But I'm going to give you something for your mind and for your spirit. I'm going to give you, you know, but, yeah, yeah, but healing is passed away. No, healing is here for a reason. You don't need healing in heaven. There's no sickness and disease there. So if healing is passed away, then everything else is passed away. And we know that's not true. If healing is passed away, then everything else is passed away. The only place I need this body is here. Is here. That's the only place I need it. I certainly won't need it in heaven. That's why we dispose of it here. Because we won't use it in heaven. The Bible says flesh and blood cannot, will not, cannot inherit the kingdom. And he also said that we have, we will have glorified bodies. So why are we upset about a body? It can't, it, it can't come into heaven. We cannot take this thing as it is to heaven. Oh, you follow me. Why? Because it's frail. It's subject to break down. That's why we put it back in the ground. Because why? Because mortality must be turned into immortality. So that has to go back to the ground. Be okay with that. Corruption must be turned into that which is incorruptible. This thing here is corruptible. I don't care how much perfume you put on. I don't care how you dress it. I don't care how you bathe it. I don't care how you do anything to it. Listen, it is corruptible. 
know that. We need something that won't corrupt. So if I'm going to finish my course, I need this body right now. So we need to take care of it. People act like God, you know, God gave us a mind because so we can think. Don't you think God can think? Why would God make provision for the spirit and the soul and, and the, or, or the mind and not the body? He gave you words and gave you increase to, to increase your, your spirit man, to make it strong and, and to change your way of thinking and be not conformed to this world, change your mind thinking. But as far as the body, that's passed away. But the provision for my body is in the godly knowledge of his word. It's in the godly knowledge of his word. Are you with me? I'm, I, I want you all to get this because this is, all of this has to do with our very life. Amen? So my body is secured in the knowledge of his word. My needs are secure in the knowledge of his word. Let, let me tell. Let, let me let, so so we can clear this up. Let, let me tell you what believers do. You could have a, I mean, a on point believer. I mean, they tithe. They are part of everything in the infrastructure. I mean, they their church every Sunday. They do everything they're supposed supposed to do. I mean, they give in every every situation that comes up. All of that. They pray, they're in the prayer group, they do, you can have the uh, one that's doing everything. Work in the church, I mean, just, I mean everything. And they will have a need and won't tell anybody. Have a need and won't tell anybody. And when you find out about it and you come in, you say, well, well, how did you get in this position? How did God love you? Why would you get, let yourself get in that position? Well, I just thought God would take care of it. Excuse me? I just, you know, I just thought God was would take care of it. Well, sweetheart, He, God want me to take care of it, but I don't know to take care of it if I don't know what's going on with you. That's why God put you in a ministry. That's why He put you in an infrastructure. That's why He put you in a community so that we can help. But if we don't, but if nobody knows but you and God. Honey, God needs me to take care of that. Or whoever, I mean, you might be talking to somebody. You have to tell them that God needed me to take care of that after you, you found out. Don't have to just be me. Anybody that after you find out, well, God needs me to take care of that. This is our, this is our community. God wants us to take care of what's wrong with you. I just figured God would take care of it. Well, God will take care of it in the church. But you have to, somebody have to know. I mean, you're doing everything that God's Word says. And then you come up and say, I don't understand. I'm doing everything. And, you know, and all my, I, I just can't get my needs met. I'm doing everything. 
Well, who knows about it but you? Who knows about it other than you? You know what the Bible says, pride goes before fall. Destruction. And it is pride. We assemble ourselves together and we are not to sit up and have silly pride. And you're hurting. I know, but I just don't like people to do nothing for me. Well, you're not going to be able to make it in the kingdom. You ought to love for people to do something for you. That's what God have us all here for. We are a community. We have an infrastructure. Why is that? Because your sufficiency is in others. Your sufficiency is in others. God moves on the hearts of others to meet your needs. And sometimes in the community, the church will take care of it. Sometimes it's individual. I, 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 uh, someone came to me and they wanted something from the church. And I said, you know what? Don't, you know, the church don't even have to know it. You don't have to go to the office. You don't have to do anything. Because when you're doing things through the church, everything has to be documented. I said, I'll take care of it myself. That's, that's just between me and you. But at least they came. And see, it ain't always okay. And see, a lot of times people, they be like, well, go to the church and they can help you. Well, we can, but if God send them to you, it may be meant for you to. You got, you got sufficiency in you for others. You don't have to, and nobody has to know. You just do it. And if it's something else and, and it's bigger than you can have it, then they come to the church. We're a community. You belong here. We don't want you having a lack when all of us in here are uh, we're not suffering lack and you sit next to me lacking. No, that's not the way that works. The sufficiency is in us. Are you following me? Stop saying I don't like people to give me anything. Learn to receive. You know what I've learned, and it was hard for me, but, but, but being taught by God and taught by my husband and, 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 and growing and developing in the things of God, I've learned that giving is never complete until receiving takes place. Giving is never complete until receiving is taking place. You better, you better meditate on that. That's a whole teaching by itself. Did you hear me? I've learned it. Giving is not complete until receiving takes place. Then the knowledge of God is my sufficiency in natural resources. The knowledge of God is my sufficiency in natural resources. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, that I know that you have need of these things. But he said, but I don't want you seeking them the world's way. 
First seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things, natural resources. Natural they'll be added unto you. You will go into the add to life. See, that's the promise. He said, he gave you the instructions and then gave you the promise. First seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the instruction. He said, then you're going to go to the add to life. So if your life is not being added to, guess what? You haven't been seeking. First. I like that he said first because he said, I know that you live in this world and there's other things that's going to come up. He said, but uh, things are going to come up that you have to acknowledge. But first, seek me. Why? So I can direct your path so you can make the right decision. And I'll just lead, and I'll just lead you right into the add to life. He said, and these things and stuff and natural resources will be added to you. But if you don't know how to seek the kingdom of God through the knowledge of God, then how can your natural resources be supplied to you? How can God keep that promise? If you don't first seek the kingdom of God. It's a will that's in the will. Our financial sufficiency should be in the knowledge of God. So let's look at them. Our mental sufficiency is in the knowledge of God. The sufficiencies of others is in the knowledge of God. Through us, but, but, but in the knowledge of God. Our sufficiency comes from others to us from the knowledge of God. You give out, it's coming back. Then our sufficiency in decision-making is through the knowledge of God. See, everything is through the knowledge of God. We have sufficiency in our physical body through the knowledge of God. And we have sufficiency through our natural resources through the knowledge of God. So then we have sufficiency in our financial life through the knowledge of God. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Are you all being blessed? I hope you are. Because I'm, I'm, ble- I'm, I'm blessed by studying it. I'm blessed by the, the whole six teachings that we've had. Our financial sufficiency should be in the knowledge of God. We're looking at that mental. All of those, all of those, all of those. It's through the knowledge of God. Please, don't lean not into your own understanding. Don't let nobody put you on a get you. Yeah, but I know, I know you know God and everything, but no. I was talking to an Asian lady, and it didn't matter. I'm just saying Asian because that's what she was, but just showing the thought. And she's a Buddhist, and we have a relationship. And and I was talking to her, and she was talking about homosexuality. And she said, "I don't, I don't understand." She said, "But, but how, how, how do you handle it? How, how do you? I mean, some things you have to just, you know, be okay with because you don't want to lose your children." I said, "Oh no, oh no. There is no compromise." No, she said, but what if you lose your kids? I said, no, let me tell you, I won't lose them. I'll lose them if I will comply with that. 
I said, I won't lose them. And I said, now, uh, she said, so you mean to tell me if, if your sons were, uh, uh, had a, a man that, you know, they fell in love with? I said, well, right there, that just, I, we don't even have to go any further than that. She said, you wouldn't let them come to, house, to your house? I said, of course not. I can't tell what anybody do away from my house. I said, but I would, uh, I said, you think I would sit down and have dinner? I said, that would be me telling them I'm okay with your lifestyle. That's what that would, would be. I would never, ever do that. And God wouldn't require me. I said, no, I would let them, I will be able to lose them for a season, but I guarantee you, because I know my God, he'll come back. She said, well, that's what I'm trying to understand. I don't, I said, what would you do? She said, but now that you're talking about it, I mean, because I didn't know what I thought you just had to call. I said, no, you, you're never going to have to, but I understand because she haven't been taught. But see, I'll just let my light shine. I don't try to say, see, you need to get rid of booty, Buddha and give, I don't, I don't tell her any of that. I just minister the word to her. I said, no, it's no compromise. I don't care who it is. Once you compromise, you've lost them. Did you hear me? Once you compromise, you've lost them and told them you approve of that. Can't do it. Won't do it. Ever. Not ever. I told her, first of all, it's not even natural. Can't you see? That's why children can't be born. It's not natural. It's not even natural. Let's say, okay, we know it's not it's spiritually incorrect, but it ain't even natural, right? Our sufficiency is in the knowledge of God. But let's deal with this financial uh, security. Our sufficiency in the knowledge of God. Are you in Second Corinthians chapter 3? Now remember I told you sufficiency is of God. In other words, our sufficiency is God's... Listen. Our sufficiency is God's idea, not ours. Our sufficiency is God's idea, not ours. It is God's idea that we should be sufficient in all things, he said. That's God's idea. Look at verse 1. I mean, uh, look at uh, verse 2. Let's go to verse 2. Chapter 3, verse 2. Are you there? It reads, Ye are our epistles, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. That simply means that God wants us to be a Bible. Listen, God wants us to be the Bible, not just read the Bible or just quote the Bible. Did you hear me? God said this, that one passage of Scripture, verse 2, means God said, I want you to be the Bible, not just read the Bible, and not just quote the Bible. Many people can do that. Look at verse 3. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. 
our sufficiency is of God, but it will come through men. Our sufficiency is of God, but it will come through men. Then look at verse 6. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Secondly, we must understand that we are sufficient in all things. Not only is it God and through man, but he said we are sufficient in all things. See, there's not a weak part on you when it comes to that. He said, no, you're sufficient in all things. That whether you're utilizing it is one thing, but you are sufficient in all things. Are you with me? I like what he says there. Look, look, look at what he says in six and, and verse seven. But if the administration of death, written and engraved in stone, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. Now, now, the, <clears throat> what we need to understand about this, he wants us to be sufficient. He said, now, you need to be sufficient in all things. He said, I want you so sufficient that you participate in every every work. See, in the the scriptures, you got to, I mean, in church, you got to participate in every good work. All things that are of God, he wants us to be sufficient in them. So we might be able, able to participate in every good work. Now, you have to be able. You have to be able to participate in every good work. we got a good work going here now. You all are going to hear about it real soon. But you got to be able to participate. So I want you to go back and, and read that. Two all the way down in every good work. God wants every member of the church to be able to participate in the infrastructure. You have to be able. It doesn't matter how much unless he specifies it. Unless he specifies it. It doesn't matter how long. What matters is that you participate. See, that's sufficient. Did you hear me? That's sufficient. Everybody, everybody in the church should be a part of the building fund. Everyone should be a part of the care ministry. Everyone should be a part of pastor's compensation. Everybody should be a part. And let me tell you, it is a work that abounds to each of your accounts. It abounds to your account. See, all you're looking at is now. But are you going to be able to stand for God, stand in front of God, and and it have abounded to your account? God said, I want you to be able to participate and abound in every good work. So, when you don't participate in the building fund, then that means that you don't think it's a good work. When you don't participate in the care ministry, you don't think it's a good work. When you don't participate in pastor's conversation, you're saying, Pastor, you're not a good work. Now, you might not, oh, no, I would, no, no. That's what you're saying. Because he said, I need you to participate in the infrastructure in every good work. So, for me, 
That's the way not only God sees it, but that's the way I see it. That's what that's the way I see it. That's why I want to know. That's why I want to know. Because if you don't think I'm a good work, I want to know why you're here. Doing something that you're supposed to do. I'm not talking about nothing. That's, I'm, I'm talking about something that, that you're supposed to do as a part of the community. And I'm talking about I'm in the building fund as well. I mean, straight down the road. You think it's not a good work. Caring for other people when they get sick or sending them whatever. That, that's not a good work. That's what you speak. That's, that's what you speak loud and clear. And if you can't abound in the good work of any of these areas, you simply mean and you're simply saying it's not a good work. If you're going to abound in every good work, it's going to go beyond, listen, you to someone else. Did you hear me? If you're going to abound in a good work, it's going to go beyond you to someone else. What we're going to be doing here in the ministry and some things that we're doing is for some, is for other people as well. It has to go beyond you to someone else. Look at verse 8. How shall not the administration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Mm, I like that. This, listen, I, 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 I like that. This administration of the Spirit be rather glorious. Listen. The whole thing about this is God's grace. Oh, God's grace is so amazing. Because He's constantly trying to get us where we need to be. And we're all over the place. We're trying to do everything but that. But His grace is key. It's all about the purpose of your heart. That's what it's all about. The purpose of your heart. Why do you want to be sufficient in all things? Ask yourself, why do I really want to be sufficient in all things? Why? Why do I want to be sufficient in all things? Is it to heat something upon your own lust only? Or do you want to be able to participate in every good work? God is checking the heart. God said, now let me see how do you really want to do this. Are you really, uh, is it really about the grace of God? Or is it in, in helping others? Or is it all about, I just want my pockets filled and full. I want that sufficiency for me. I, I, I just want a lot in my pocket. Now listen, when you stop participating in every good work, I guarantee you your pocket will dry up. I don't care what kind of job you have. It'll dry up in more ways than just money. It will dry up. Are you, are, are you following me? Listen. For if the ministration... Let's go to verse 9. For if, the, for if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious has no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. Listen, God is trying to tell us something here. Look at verse 8, eight I mean 11. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, 
we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, and, the, and that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is, abol- which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For until this day he remaineth the same veil untaken, uh, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away with in Christ. Now see, that, for me, that tells us all we need to know. See, this, uh, he said, we, we got to be different. We got to be different. We got to be a different kind of people. We got to grab a hold of this. God doesn't want any, any, anything from you, period. God doesn't need anything like that from you, period. God gave you a seed for you to sow. Then he caused the seed to multiply. That's the way it works. Now watch this. God wants us to also have enough so that we can supply the wants of the saints. Now we we have to we have to be supplied enough to have to supply for the saints. If saints are in trouble, what what do you have left over to spare? Do you have anything to spare? Because you have to have something to spare. Are you with me? The only way as a believer you can truly be happy, listen, and peaceful and fulfilled is when you get into the giving column. Did you hear me? That's the only way you're going to be happy and peaceful and fulfilled is when you get into the giving column. The most depressing thing on earth is continue and continue being in the receiving and never being able to give. I don't care. You might think, you know, you might believe for yourself, yes, if, if, you know, if they just keep giving to me, I'm going to be fat. No, yeah, let me tell you, you won't. Let me, tell you, let me give you an example, and I'm going to show you. I, I know for me, and some of you might for a little while, but if, if I said, you know what, come and stay with me. You don't have to, you don't have to pay, pay for anything. I got a bedroom for you. You don't have to pay no light bill, water bill. You don't have to pay no rent for it. You don't have to pay for food. Matter of fact, use my car to go to work. Well, I'll put gas. No, I don't want you to put no gas in it. Matter of fact, I'll put a lock on the gas tank. You don't put no gas in it. I'll fill it up for you. When you come home, I have all the food made. This is day in and day out. And you say, well, let me cut the grass. No, I have somebody to cut the grass. I don't want you to cut the grass. I don't want you to do nothing but just take take what I give you. You come home and I have clothes all across the floor. Got you a whole new wardrobe. And say so you tell you be like, well, I just feel like I need to. Nope, don't want you to do anything. Just, just, just take it. Nothing. And I give you money to spend every day. And when you come home, I'ma tell you, you, you think you won't, but you will get tired of that. You'd be like, well, wait a minute. It's, you know, but then I, I know you were saying to yourself, well, I probably could live with that for a little while. But I'ma tell you. You you would be because you'd be just taken, taken. Nothing. I, you can give me nothing. All you do is take day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. Never giving anything. It'll drive you crazy. You'd be like, oh Lord, when I go home, they're gonna have stuff for me. I, you, whoo, because it's on and on and on. Because you, let me tell you, you're not created for that. You got a treasure in earthen vessels. 
I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, it's, it, it'll depress you. Like, oh, Lord, when I go home, they're going to have everything ready for me. Uh, Lord, I'm like, I know it sounds good. I know some of you laughing out there saying, oh, I would love that. No, you think you would. You would have no worth. You'd be like, well, uh, I can't do nothing. I mean, they won't even let me cut the grass. They got no nothing. I'm going to tell you, you would get tired. You'd be like, no, it'll drive you crazy. Because you'd be like, no, I got to do something. You would even bring something home because you'd be like, no, I just got to do something. See, that's driving you crazy because, I mean, nothing, because I'm just taking, taking, taking and never giving. On the receiving end, never able to give. Why do you think it's such a thing as a philanthropist? You know that's the only reason why they give, to get peace? That's all they give for. They give to get peace because they're not fulfilled. Why do you think that most, not all, but most, I mean, just, I mean, wealthy, wealthy, wealthy people are the most unhappy? Because we, what, they, they say, oh, no, i got to keep working until I get a million. I want to be a millionaire. They'll be a millionaire. I, I want to be a billionaire. No, no, I want to be in the top ten. They're never satisfied. No, I want to be. I want to be over it all. I just want to be the complete narcissist. But they're miserable because they're not fulfilled. You can't be fulfilled. Philanthropists they only give because they're trying to find peace. They're just giving it out. They got so much. They're just giving it out just to find peace. Even if it's with a tax break. Just trying to find peace. Trying to get some peace. Trying to get some fulfillment. Hmm. Don't get it twisted. The, the people that are wealthy, most of them are the most unhappy people. You know, you ride by and you look at the house, you be like, oh God, they, must, they have it all. Most of those people are so miserable because they're so unfulfilled. And they're just greedy for money. And more and more and more. And they think thinking to themselves, I'm missing something here. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I can tell you exactly what you're missing. You're missing the fact that you are not a benefit to anyone. Hmm. And it's very depressing. People giving thanksgiving to God. He said, for, for he, people will give thanksgiving to God for what he's done through you. When he sees that you are where you need to be. When, 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 when they see that you are a giving person, that your heart is right. And they be like, oh my God, God is just doing something. When you're able to help them, when you have something to spare, they say, oh my goodness, look how good God is to them. You want people to say that about you. Not to throw your head up and say, you know, look what God... No, but that I'm able to be a blessing to someone else. That's the main thing. I have to be a blessing to someone else all the time. You need to know... You know what? You have to have more than just enough for yourself. If you're in your house this morning and you just have enough for yourself, you're not sufficient. You're not sufficient. Are you with me? 
I like where the scripture said that they, they'll thank God for your liberal distribution. But you see, but you can't have, be a, have liberal distribution if you only have enough for you. You can't. I don't care how much you want to, you can't. But then you have to know how much is enough for you. See, you can have a million dollars and say, okay, well, that's just enough for me. It seems depending on what is enough for you. Now, everybody's not in the same place. So first of all, sufficiency is of God. We are sufficient in all things. And then third, His grace is our sufficiency. His grace is our sufficiency. Are you with me? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Chapter 12. Go over a few pages. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Here Paul got caught up into the third heaven and he experienced some things that was absolutely awesome. Now, it's no sense in straining and, and trying to understand this experience because the one that had the experience could hardly explain it. You know, so it, what had happened to him. But let's look at it. In Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above, four, about, above 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell. Or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up into the third heaven. Now, now, people, you need to understand that we understand what the third heaven is. We understand that the third heaven is where God is. The second heaven is space. And then the, I mean, the second, the first heaven is the clouds. But the third heaven is where God, and the, and, and Satan resides in the second heaven. The space in, in, in that area. And we, and then the first heaven is the clouds and the atmosphere here. Now, <clears throat> listen, he's letting us know that, 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 um, well, let's just, let's keep reading. In verse 3, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Now, he's letting you know God knows. Verse 4, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is, which it is not lawful for a man to to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine own mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the, the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Now, he said, I'm not going to get caught up in this experience that I have. He said, because I don't want anybody to think of me more than what I am, because I had this experience. He said, but I want you to see me in what you hear and what you see, you see. I want you to hear me, I want you to see me just like that. He said, don't glory in what I'm telling you that it happened to me, but keep your eyes on what you see in my walk, in my speech. Because it's easy for people to, to put an experience above who people are. 
they did that. Oh my God. And then you start thinking of them bigger than what they are. I like what he says in verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation that was given to me of thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. But God is like, you know what? I don't know. Listen, I don't know exactly what the thorn in the flesh is that nobody else does. Okay, some say it was the illness, some say it was this, some of that. Nobody knows, but it was a thorn in the flesh. Because let me tell you, when you're sick, it's a thorn in your flesh. When people are talking about you, it's a thorn in the flesh. Either way, that's not what God wanted you to look at. God wanted you to see that He sought Him twice, but He said, My grace is sufficient. I don't care how many, what people tell you, what that means. Don't get caught up in the thorn in the flesh. Get caught up with the grace. Are you with me? Verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. He said, I put my grace in you, and it is sufficient for you. And in your weakness, my grace is sufficient. Understand that. In your weakness, God's grace is sufficient. Remember, it's immutable, unchangeable. And that is what God wants us to know. That in this sufficiency, we have in godly knowledge. Our sufficiency is of God. And we are sufficient in all things. No matter what we're going through. You're sufficient. His grace is is sufficient. We are saved by His grace. Our gift is strengthened by His grace. And we are sufficient in all things by the grace of God. So there is safety, strength, security, sufficiency in godly knowledge. Listen, this morning I'm offering you safety security, I'm sufficiency, strength. I'm offering that to you. Those of you that are streaming, I'm offering that to you with the godly knowledge. Are you with me? You know what? It'll keep you out of harm's way when you have godly knowledge. It'll keep you out of harm's way. The Bible says that everyone that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you got to do is call upon Him. It's simplicity. It's simple. God is saying, yes, just call upon my name and you shall be saved. You can be there. You can ask for that. It's simple. It's uh, everything that I was talking about today. That's for the believer. And you have to be a believer. But you can call upon. He said, you call upon me, I will make sure that you have the godly knowledge. I'm giving it to you right here, right now. It's time for you to make a change in your life. It's time for you to step into that place of godly knowledge. It's time for you to change your life. It's time for you to give your heart over to the Lord and say, I need to be in this godly knowledge. Because there's something else coming. 
This world is changing. It's changing day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year. And if you're not established in godly knowledge, you're going to be defeated. You're going to be worn out. You're going to be caught up. It's going to be so many things coming. In these last days, so many different religions are. I've seen people come out of Christianity and they, oh, we don't celebrate this anymore. We don't. They're getting caught up in those things that don't even matter. When, when, when their main focus on being holy and righteous is far from them they're, they're, they're thinking on things that are carnal like if you go to hell if you, if you have a birthday party if you you know if you celebrate Christmas all, all kind of foolishness that don't mean anything if you you need to be walking with God and knowing the knowledge of God those things are neither here nor there because God is not going to ask you when you get to heaven did you celebrate Christmas did you celebrate Thanksgiving that you have a birthday party. He's not going to be talking about it or thinking on any of those things. He is going to know to know holiness and right. That's what he's going to show you. The judgment seat of Christ, he's going to show everything. The white throne judgment, he's going to show everything. And it has to do with your heart, not all these carnal things back and forth. He's not going to ask you, well, during the pandemic, did you or did you not wear a mask? Those things he could care less about. Because he's the God of all. Let me tell you, none of those things are going to save you or deliver you. The main thing, let me tell you, whether you die of COVID, natural causes, heart attack, whatever, you are going to die. You are going to die. And, 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 and things that, are, that you're trying to think about that's, that's not going to even play a part in it, you're wasting time. With foolish things. You're wasting time with what you believe the church should believe. and what The church is going to believe what the Bible says. And this church, we're going to believe and we're going to believe in all of our benefit rights. What God said belonged to us. We're going to operate according to the will. We're going to obey every outline thing that he's placed in the will so that we can have all the benefits from it. Now you can do what you want to, but the benefit right is for those that believe and obey. So we'll never have to say, God doesn't heal. God didn't heal them. God didn't do that. Or this. I can say, God, I did. This is what you need to say. Instead of saying what God didn't do, say, I didn't obey. And I couldn't cash in on the benefits. I didn't follow the guidelines. And I, that's what you need to say. You don't need to say what God, because God's word is immutable, unchangeable, and he cannot lie. So you can't put that on him like it. No, just say what it really is. I did not follow the guidelines. And so I'm not cashing in on my benefit rights. But today you can change all that and turn it around and say, God, you know what? I repent for not following the guidelines. For not asking you about everything so that I can walk this walk and I can be victorious and that I can cash in on. He said, forget not all your benefits. 
He said, when you take communion, remember me. Remember what I've done for you. Remember the benefits. Don't let them just sit there. I paid a great price for you to have those benefit rights. I was wounded for your transgression, bruised for your iniquity. The chastisement of your peace was upon me so that you can have benefit rights. Don't let them just sit there. Don't not do what you're supposed to do and just act like they don't mean it. Those benefit rights are there for a purpose. And they're for us. And if we want to, we, all you got to do, anything that you're going through, or anything, there's an answer in this Bible, in this will. He left an answer for any situation, any circumstance that you're in. God could straighten it out right here for you right now. And all you simply have to do is repent and mean it with your heart. And say, God, I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of suffering this way. I'm tired of doing all the things. Father, all the things that I've done in time past, I repent from those things. I need the benefits rights. And God knows your heart. He knows if you're just saying it, if you really believe it. If you believe God saved you, you can believe for this. If you can be more than positive that God has saved you, you can be more than positive that His benefit rights are for you. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.